Captain's Log, Stardate 2624. Captain Pike and the crew of the Enterprise receive a distress beacon from the planet Talos IV. When they arrive, they meet the survivors of a science expedition that went missing 18 years ago, among them Vina, born just shortly before they crashed. Pike soon discovers that all might not be as it seems, as it is soon revealed that the beacon and the survivors, with the exception of Vina, were illusions created by the Talosians, a telepathic race living underground, meant to lure him into a cage. Alright, here we are. Our very first actual episode of the show. Talking about the very first actual episode of the other show. Uh, have you Had you seen this episode before? Yeah, so... This is my this is my third time seeing this episode actually. So way back in the day, um the very first time that I saw the original series uh was actually this episode surprisingly. Um I remember I was at an old friend's house and we're just fr- trying to find something to watch and then we're like oh, let's watch some star trek and we just started with this episode um and so i like vaguely remembered some of it from then and then i rewatched it again um gosh this was a while ago too when i last watched it like maybe like five years ago or something like that oh, wow. um maybe before then but uh I was watching some of the original series while I was also watching some of the next generation. Like I would go back and forth between them. Um, so yeah, this is my third time watching it. Um, and it's, it's very interesting (laughs) to say the least. Yeah. I was going to, before we get really into the discussion, what are your quick, quick summary thoughts? Yeah, um, there honestly, there's a lot about it that I really like. Um, I think it it already does like uh, like honestly, like I feel like they could have aired with this for sure, but like it does a great job of like even though technically like this wasn't meant to be aired ever. I was actually looking into the history of it, and we can talk about that in a little bit, but um. It, it still feels like Star Trek. Like, it feels like they already knew what they were doing with the show with just this, like, pilot episode. Um, Spock feels like Spock. Uh, the the aesthetic of this well, show... Mostly. He shows a lot more emotion in this than he does before. He's very that excitable is, that and is smiles true. a lot. <laughs> but, like, for the most part, like, it's it feels like Star Trek. Like... It's got the looks, it's got the sound. Um, and so I like really appreciate that about it because like, I feel like this could have been like super wildly different. Um, but yeah, and also I kind of honestly, I kind of like Pike, like <laughs> he's kind of a douchebag, but like he's like a good kind, you know? Yeah. So. There's, I'm kind of with you. There's a lot that I like. There, there's some stuff that doesn't work, but I think the stuff that doesn't work is overshadowed by a lot of the stuff that really does work. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, like you said, I mean, it, it looks and sounds enough like what the show goes on to look and sound like that they're able to incorporate it into the Menagerie episodes later down the season. Um, and I think one of my favorite things about it is how confident it feels uh, in that in its its initial presentation and world building. Something that kind of stuck out to me this time is that we we are introduced to Pike almost like he's in mid arc. Like we're introduced to him as if he it, we're introduced to him as a character who's already got a lot of history. And the way we learn that history isn't through bad exposition. It's actually like, there's actually some really good writing here. Um, it reminds me of where Kirk is at in Star Trek Beyond of like, he's just been through a lot and he's like just the, the constant travel, the weight of the responsibility of being a captain is weighing on him. And like, that's how they introduce him basically in the scene in his captain's quarters. Um, and, and the doctor comes in and like our first primary conversation is like pretty heavy. And there's some really good lines in it where uh, when the doctor offers him a drink and he, he says, uh, sometimes a man will tell his bartender things he'll never tell his doctor. Uh, and then later on during the conversation, Pike is Pike says something about uh, that he's, he's starting to sound like a doctor again and not like a bartender anymore. And the doctor says, uh, well, we both get the same two kinds of customer, the living and the dying. Like, what? What the heck? There's, there's some good stuff coming from like this, this failed Star Trek pilot. Um, and over the course of the episode, he kind of goes on this arc where like, you know, he's, he's ready to throw in the towel. He's ready to, to go off and not really have that drive to go out and explore anymore. He just wants to settle down and just stay put and live that kind of life. And the taste of that life he gets that the Telosians offer him makes him realize that that's not actually where he's at right now. He doesn't want to stop the exploration. He doesn't want to stop this. And he, he's got another great line uh, where he says, you either live life bruises, skin, knees and all, or you turn your back on it and start dying. Uh, and I just thought, man, like I, there's just some of these lines like that sprinkled throughout. And so, yeah, like, I mean, you're right. He's <laughs> there are moments with him where you're like, he's kind of a jerk. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it's it's played for humor in a way that kind of works. Like, like with the uh, with the girl he bumps into, like him always kind of being like, "What are you doing here?" And then she's like, "Oh, you told me to give you this at five. And he's like, <laughs> "Oh, uh, mm, that's right." And then even though the line itself is like really pike and it especially sticks out given like the sequels and prequels and like there's just no way that this works in the series anymore and for good reason his line about you know i'll never get used to a woman on the bridge uh is is definitely dated but i think the thing that at least saves it in the moment of the episode is the look his number one gives him right afterwards uh and he's like oh you're the exception like it's the there's a there's something about his dynamic with her that kind of reminds me of Bond and Money Penny and like the Connery films. Um, so I've been going on for a while, but yeah, I I I really like uh, that this this doesn't 
feel like it's just so front-loaded with like, we've got to explain everything about Star Trek. We've got to explain phasers and the Federation and this and that. It's like, it, it's an episode that could have been placed mid-season. It's just, it carries on as if either you know it, which we clearly don't, or you will, you're a smart enough viewer to kind of pick up on the world and the lore and stuff as it goes on. So as far as pilots go, I, I think it's pretty solid. Yeah, I agree. Um, that yeah, that was something that like I didn't even really like think about like at first, but I really appreciate how it kind of just throws you in. Um, I feel like we see so often now, like especially in TV, where as soon as you hit that pilot episode, like you're just slammed with exposition out the wazoo. Yeah, and like it can get really overbearing and like. There's just something about being thrown into like this big grand world that like you've never experienced before, but like it's already living, it already exists. And that's not to say that there shouldn't be some exposition. I definitely think there's times where things should be explained. Um, But just that sense of mystery and like sense of like discovery, uh, no pun intended, that you get uh from just kind of like jumping into it and then also i don't know like it kind of it kind of makes it feel like you know you're just this small part of this really big world um and i I really appreciate when when tv shows do that yeah it's it's kind of it's like star wars you know one of her darth vader boards that ship and he's like hey this is uh, we're, we're here to to get like we, we've got the transmissions and they're like oh there's no transmissions this is a diplomatic mission all they're like all like they're just spouting out all of this stuff all of this history like nobody stops to say don't you know i'm vader of the empire I, like it's <laughs> it's just it it plays out and that's kind of how it how they approach it in this episode like i was just thinking of like an easy example you know they, they say you know go to coordinates blah 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 warp factor whatever and then they they go fast in that direction, and so you're like, okay, warp factor or warp factor must be a speed. Like there you go. Nobody says do warp factor. You know, like we're traveling at the speed. Like it's they don't explain. It. They're just yeah. It's it's a kind of cause and effect world building of like somebody says something, and then the viewer notices what happens afterwards, and they're like, oh, that must mean blah blah blah. Yeah. So yeah, there's a there's a lot of that in here. Uh, what do you think of the the general premise of this one? <laughs> it, it's honestly kind of funny. <laughs> um, like just whenever you sit down and watch it and like really think about like what the episode is, um, and when when whenever I was uh, rewatching it yesterday, I was sending uh, James a bunch of like gifts like out of context, but that like perfectly like captured a moment in the scenes and like i don't there's just something like really like humorous about it while i was watching it this time but actually like i kind of like the premise i i like that um you know pike is seeing this like potential life that he could have like this like quote-unquote perfect life that he could have i guess um and kind of just seeing like different aspects of that and 
like him trying to figure out like what's going on like how does he get out of here the and the dynamic of the crew trying to trying to find him um something about it like i like i was already like into it i was like yeah like this is this is fun uh this is really fun and and, like it kind of has even though like this episode feels like kind of tame for the most part it kind of like gives it some stakes you know it's like the captain's captured and like nobody knows where he is like what do we do um and and something about that just it, it like again it's one of those things where like i just wasn't expecting that from this pilot um and i i really enjoyed that about it um but i i I will say when i was when i was watching it like i feel like there was a clear kind of i want to say like social message that they were trying to push with this episode but but it's so funny because like in some ways it feels like it's trying to be like i guess progressive but in a lot of ways it's the complete opposite because it they shoot themselves in the foot with you know certain uh dialogue choices and whatnot being like kind (laughs) of pretty pretty misogynistic in a lot of ways so it (laughs) i don't know like when i was watching it like i couldn't help but like laugh at that i was just like this is so silly (laughs) yeah uh i i kind of wish that uh the the number one in this i i forget her name uh but she was able to continue as a character even into like the kirk portion yeah because i the only like we we get some recurring uh female characters in in the original series you know we we have ahura and her of all the female characters she ends up coming out by far the best i think in the show yeah. Um, she's always displayed as, you know, genuinely uh, competent, just really intelligent, respected by the crew, but also like fun and funny. And like we've got the scene with her singing in a, in a later episode down. Like she just she feels like a fairly, you know, fully formed character. But for sure, you know, nurse or uh, Yeoman Rand is in a lot of ways just defined by her looks and a kind of vague kind of will they won't they she has with captain kirk nurse chapel i feel like her primary characteristic as the show goes on is like the kind of only barely under the surface attraction she has to spock and stuff so having a female number one i think would have been really helpful for the show going forward but obviously later shows handle this better but for sure yeah i agree with that like uh, i i think it would have been cool to see more of her character because i i really like i really did love her dynamic with pike um and like she was like a really charming character so it kind of would have been nice to see her in the full series yeah it definitely would have been cool to see her continue on uh, and I wonder, I haven't watched any Strange New Worlds. I wonder, is, is Re- Rebecca Romjan's character in that meant to be her? I'm not sure, actually. I'd have to, I'd have to look into that. Because I know, you know, she's both, you know, uh, I, I believe she's his number one. Because I've seen a bit of, 
I've seen several of the episodes with Pike in Discovery. And yeah. so I think I've, I've seen her character, and I believe she's his number one in that. So I'm, I'm, I'm betting that that's like, that's that same character. And if so, that'll be pretty cool to watch. Um, yeah, I really liked her as well. Um, we don't yeah, see. Yeah, and real quick about that, I think that's one thing that's like really crazy about this episode because. Um, you know this this wasn't an aired pilot and the only reason why this episode ever saw the light of day is because in the in the late 80s i think it was 1988 uh there was a writer's strike and they didn't have an episode one week for the next generation uh so they decided to just air this as like a special episode um and it's just kind of crazy because like this this episode uh, without it, like we wouldn't have, um, we wouldn't have strange new worlds. Like we wouldn't have, uh, like Pike in, uh, all of these shows and stuff. So like without this show or without this episode, that just would have never existed. And so like, even though this episode isn't really like, wasn't originally meant to be like canon i guess you could say like it had like uh, it has a lot of influence on the uh franchise moving forward well we, we haven't gotten to it yet but they do do something interesting with this episode later this season there's a there's a two-part episode called the menagerie where we see a a partial um version of this episode in fact it's it's quite a sizable portion of it where we're watching recordings of it and they basically are just playing this so and and we get pike like pike actually is back in it um so it does make i guess technically a a canon appearance within uh this original series as it aired but yeah it it's it's cool that it, it was finally able to like fully air as its own episode the way it was shot and edited without kind of being spliced into a previously existing one and yeah it's it is cool to see a character like pike become more and more integral to the series as it goes on you know whether like i said later on in this one or the abram stuff and strange new worlds and everything like pike is just it's just a a no he's a known character now not just kind of a character from this one other bit of interesting trivia about it was uh you know this is i've been watching special features and this was um it was maybe not a failed pilot because generally failed pilots just means the show dies but it was one of the the only times at paramount that a pilot was ever basically said no to but the premise and the show and everybody given like another shot. Um, and what's funny is the the people, I guess the executives or whoever, thought the the episode was too cerebral and not action packed enough. Um, and so they said, no, but we're not shutting you down. Just try again. Uh, and what's cool is the person who really who like the person we have to thank for that to thank for the, the second shot is Lucille Ball of I Love Lucy. Uh, oh, wow. Because she was a high, like, executive 
at at the at Paramount. And so she was the person who believed most in the premise and was like, I want them to have another shot. That's crazy. So, what's funny is when you look into the fandom, there's always like kind of a, a, a little appreciation for Lucille Ball as kind of like the matron of the series because she basically saved it, which I think is really cool. Um, what's funny too about the idea of, of cutting this because it's too cerebral is they, they shot another pilot, which doesn't end up being the actual pilot because their shooting dates and the airing dates for the original series are all out of whack. They, they never aired the episodes in the order they shot them. So what was shot is like the set, the, the real pilot with Kirk and everything, I think is like episode three or whatever. But it's almost an even more cerebral episode. I really love it. It's called uh, Where No Man Has Gone Before. It's so good. I'm surprised that they said no to this one because it's too cerebral. And then they watched this one and was like, now that's that's it. <laughs> Interesting. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, so to, to talk about, I guess to get back to this episode's premise, another thing that I, I noticed about it was that it was kind of being about the dangers of realistic escapism you know even before something like ready player one and uh other things talking about you know escaping reality into fiction yeah. uh and stuff it's so which and i it, that that premise is kind of what's used to to bring about his arc and and why he would continue to to captain the enterprise but uh yeah i just it feels like there's a lot of there, there's different ideas happening in general, but that that was the one that seemed to stick out the most to me. Where you, you have the the Telosians at the end, where, where she's even saying like, "We've never met a species that has so prioritized freedom, even over like pleasure and safety and all that kind of stuff." Um, so it seemed to to mostly be about the idea that you you accept reality over the fiction, even if the reality is harder. Uh, which is a, a, a cool idea to to open your show with. For sure, especially a show that came out in the '60s, because like that, like that's that's part of the beauty, I think, of science fiction is a lot of it kind of uh can be relevant decades later um and like that kind of theme and concept uh you know like technology what like was nothing like it is today and like i i just think of like just the other day you know the apple vision pro or whatever it's called released and there's all these memes going around right now about it uh being compared to wally because you'll see like people in like subways and stuff like that like moving their hands around with this with these like goggles on their face um just completely removed from reality um and it's a it's an interesting concept to be playing with all the way back in the 60s when like they didn't know that like this kind of technology would exist 20 or not 20 uh 60 years later yeah um so i feel like thematically it's very relevant right now yeah and i I watched an episode about 
AI from the original series the other day. I'm like, what's so funny is the way that the, the creator of the AI in that episode was talking about this creation is eerily similar to the way you hear it talked about now. I'm like, their concept of what this was and could be, like, how did they... How did they even know in what terms to talk about this with, and how does it kind of still really hold up? Time uh, traveling. Yeah. They do a lot of that in the show, so maybe that's what it was. But true. Especially in uh, in Enterprise. Yeah, there's a... Well, <laughs> there's... I'm trying to think. I think I've seen, like... I think I've had, like, three time travel episodes. Yeah, like, three in the original series. Uh, and I don't know if there's another. There's... Time, it's funny, the 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 two premises, well, I, I guess the three, the, the three premises I see the most in the original series is time travel, um, or what the funniest to me is we go to another planet that's not Earth, but basically Earth, like the alternate <laughs> Earth. Like they, there's one, it's a fun episode, but they revisit a planet that a previous ship had visited and like the ship before had accidentally left a uh, a history book on like Chicago gangsters and stuff mm. and so the Enterprise returns to this planet a hundred years later and they found out that like that history book on Chicago gangsters has basically become this planet's holy book and so their <laughs> entire society is modeled off of like looking and sounding and behaving like like that era and like it's a funny workaround to be like listen we've got a lot of suits that are left on the lot we've got all of these like Chicago sets from whatever crime show we were shooting on the lot figure out how we can incorporate it into that <laughs> uh, but you know they, they work it out and then the last one and this is even I guess relevant to this one the amount of like telekinetic omnipotent beings floating around in the original series is insane like that could just take control in their ship with its mind like just <laughs> you know all of the the illusions the teleporting people like it's just there's a ton of like all-powerful beings just kind of chilling around on different planets and the the telosians are just a small number of them yeah and they're just waiting for people they're not yeah. exploring yeah, they've already explored. Yeah. They'd rather explore your mind. Exactly. Uh, the the last... I guess that one of the last big things uh, I don't want to talk about is I, I thought as characters, I found the Telosians pretty interesting in this one. Where they've, they've basically thought themselves out of real experiences now and so they need other people here to live vicariously through and now that i'm saying it out loud i guess in a way there's there parallels can be drawn between uh, them and and where pike you know part of pike's arc pike isn't wanting like a fake reality but he is learning that, like, hey, just making a go of life, just living it, including its dangers, including the unknown, like, that's ultimately what's worth it. And the Telosians are basically not really living their lives anymore. 
and they're they're wanting other things to to live through so they can experience these other emotions um, instead of feeling it themselves. And on one hand, they're they are obviously antagonistic. I mean, they're they're caging him and. It gets dark, like when they're simulating, like basically hell, yeah. just like the intense burning. Like, gosh, dude, this is a lot for a pilot. Uh, like have him in, like just like the, the the with the fire all around him, but also just like he's in all that that black liquid stuff, and he's just writhing around. I'm like, this is this looks painful. Uh, so they they definitely have like they definitely play the role of antagonist and they're um not fully benevolent but i like that by the end we learned that they weren't entirely malevolent either it, they weren't just we're bad haha like they kind of thought that they were doing something good you yeah. know, what I mean? like we we we're giving you, you know, like we're giving you this beautiful woman. We're giving you this, like, basically your your fantasy of you, you know, you back home with your horse and everything. Like, with <laughs> we kind of thought you'd be super into this, um, and you know that that's where their surprise at the the human desire for freedom comes in. But I think it just ended up making for kind of a, a an interesting, um, I guess antagonist for the episode where it's it's not just an evil thing for evil's sake but was had motivations that it thought we would kind of understand yeah yeah and in some ways you can kind of feel a little like sympathetic towards them um for sure i i do definitely like that about it a lot yeah kind of like we're giving you what you want and then by you experiencing what you want we get to live through your emotions it's like it's a win-win to them we're giving you green women (laughs) exactly don't Uh, you want (laughs) she-hulk they had the effect way before we did oh yeah Uh, honestly i feel like disney should have taken notes they didn't need to use cgi they could just Use paint, you know. Just, yeah, use paint and go the Lou Ferrigno route. Just get a giant, like, bodybuilding woman, and yeah, exactly that's all you need. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I think this is a pretty solid uh pilot, and I, I'm I'm like I'm just honestly I'm really glad it exists because it's such an outlier of like most tv shows like most tv shows you'll never ever see the pilot episodes for uh like this um so like just the fact that it it even exists is really awesome and like we can watch it today that's like really cool and then it's just been so enveloped and like absorbed into the series like when you go into paramount plus to click on star trek it lists the cage as number one you know like it's just recognized as as the first episode now all right. Well, uh, I think we're we're gonna be ending our our episodes, giving it a rating. I'll do I'll do four out of five stars. I think it's a really good pilot episode. I think its shortcomings are outweighed by its strength. Um, you know, I I do think I didn't bring this up. I do think it it gets a little 
bogged down in the middle. It, it, it feels a little, it's like most episodes I think are like 48 minutes or 50 minutes or something. Um, and this is like an hour and three minutes. And I think there is like maybe a 10, 15 minute stretch where it's not as if that whole stretch is bad, but it's, it's a little bit like, okay, I kind of get where we're at, what we're doing. Um, but uh, also wait, one one thing that I just thought was funny is at the beginning, Pike is like mourning the losses of a previous battle they've escaped from, or I guess one, because, you know, and he talks like the, the yeoman that he has now that he makes a comment about, I'll never get used to a woman on the bridge. She's new because his previous yeoman was just killed at the battle of like Argus or whatever. Uh, that he says while he's sitting on the bed talking to his doctor. Or Rigel, I think. Yeah, Rigel something. So so we know that he was on Rigel and there was a big battle and he lost people. The That castle that they go to in the illusions, he's, he's like, well, this is Rigel, this just happened. Which means that he somehow lost people to like slow-moving cavemen with spears. <laughs> and he's got like fully equipped phasers and everything. I want to know what the Battle of Rigel looked like. If, True. like, a freaking, like, Federation ship armed with, like, everything they have <laughs> and, like, a, a 300 and something person crew, like, experienced devastating losses by these guys with, like, swords and stuff. <laughs> these guys should never have, like, touched you. How did this happen? I didn't even think about that. That's hilarious. Uh, dude. <laughs> You know, since they're going to be making all these movies going straight to Paramount Plus, they should make that a movie. They should make yeah. it like a Strange New Worlds like spin-off film. <laughs> exactly. The Battle of Rigel, make it happen. Yeah. I, I need to know. I need to know how the heck you lost one person, exactly. let alone, you know, the several that he apparently did. Let's uh let's get a like a viral hashtag running. Yeah. Hashtag we'll what happened on Rigel. Yeah. Make uh, Rigel well, happen. <laughs> yes, we need it. Uh, that actually would be cool if, like, maybe Strange New Worlds ends with, like, we've got a distress beacon from Rigel. And he's like, dude, that would be awesome. Like, I'd kind of be into that, actually. Yeah. All right, For well, sure. what, are, what are you giving this on the, on the yeah, Letterboxd story? Yeah, I think I'm going to give it a 3.5, but, like, it's a pretty high 3.5. It's, like, barely missing the forward mark. Um,. Yeah, I agree. Like my my criticism is uh, pretty similar as well. Um, I do. I I will say though. I think that I I do like Pike in this, and I like Number One, and I also kind of like the Doctor too. Uh, yeah, I do like the Telosians, but like outside of that, like there aren't a lot of characters that are super interesting. Granted, a lot of those characters don't get much screen time. But I think what makes the main pilot work really well and like what makes the rest of the show work really well is there's a lot of lovable characters in the crew. Um, yeah. And I think that's what that's like the one like pretty big thing missing from this one for me. Um, so I think that's why I'm going to give it a, a good old 3.5. But I, I really enjoy this episode. And like anytime I rewatch this show, I'm starting with this one because this is the first episode. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. And then on, on your point about the, the crew, 
you know, I know we talked about it in that first introduction episode, but the crew is is what won me over to, to Star Trek. The crew in this show, in TNG, and in Enterprise, which are like the three main shows I've seen, and each of them, I'm like, I, I really like these people. I'm like, I'm down to spend yeah. seasons with them. So, yeah, and who knows? Maybe, maybe the the young human in this would have gone on to be a, a memorable recurring character had this cast had a, another shot fully. And, you know, maybe there was potential, but unfortunately, that was a. Uh, well, I say unfortunately, maybe not so unfortunately, because boy, I love what we got. So, uh, I'm, I'm sure they would have gone on to to do great things. But given what we have now, I'm I can't say I'm upset at the way things played out. Yeah. Well, now that we got our our ratings out there, uh, earlier in the week we asked people what their thoughts were on this debut episode. Uh, and we got a couple of replies. So, Drew, do you want to read what people are saying? Yeah. So, good old friend of the podcast, Curry, uh, said the best way to watch this episode is to watch it in the Menagerie 2 parter. It's a solid pilot, but mind well for that episode. Uh, and they really use the cage heavily in Discovery and Strange New Worlds. Thanks for the spoiler. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, I, I'm pretty sure cause the menagerie is in the first season, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I've probably, yeah. Cause I'm pretty sure I've seen like the first season all the way through the original series. I don't, I don't remember it super well. Um, but I'm it's excited. It's a great to... episode, a great episode for Spock. Like sweet, really good. I'm excited about that one. Yeah. I'm looking forward to getting to that one. Uh, and then Dax Bradley said, it's an interesting pilot uh, as you get to see Spock before Nimoy uh, fully found the character. He smiles, says things in a faux British accent, and sometimes randomly shouts his lines. Uh, <laughs> very true. Um, but I do like how, real quick, like not to get too sidetracked, his costume in the pilot episode is great. Like the ears are like super convincing. Yeah, he's, uh, so they, they've got more of a devil look going on for him in this one that they toned down <laughs> yeah. a little bit later on. But yeah, the ears and the bring back the devil. <laughs> um, Jeffrey Hunter was a great actor who is also well known for playing Jesus, but in the Star Trek pilot, he played it overly serious, in my opinion. I much prefer Shatner's more light, if hammy captain. See, I I disagree with that. I, and part of what I love about Star Trek is the different personalities across the different captains. And I said, I think the seriousness that Hunter played made sense given the script. I think he played the script well, where this is a guy who, like we were talking about earlier, has kind of reached the point of wanting to retire. Like he's just got every, all, like the, the crew and the responsibility of being a captain weighing on him so heavily. So to to try to take the character that's in that script and try to lighten him up, I think wouldn't have worked. So I think he plays him really well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like him. Um, I do prefer Kirk, but that doesn't detract from my, my enjoyment of seeing uh, Pike in this episode. 
Yeah. I mean, man, it's, it's, it's hard to not prefer Kirk. Kirk is. <laughs> yeah. That was another thing. As I got some more, like, more and more episodes in, I'm like, dang, dude, I get why Kirk is iconic. I freaking love Kirk. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thank you for leaving the comments. Uh, would love to see continued engagement in the group with this show as we continue to go on. Uh, guys, if you enjoyed this, uh, follow us on all of your uh, podcast catchers, whether it's Spotify or uh, iTunes or, or, or wherever that may be, and give us a, a five-star review that, that really does help with that algorithm stuff. Um, also, check out our main podcast, uh, Banter Fodder, which we're actually going to be recording just shortly after this. Uh, and lastly, we're also on Facebook. We, we've got a Facebook group there called Banter Fodder, uh, a film and television discussion group. Uh, either film and television or film and TV discussion group. Uh, either way, I'm sure you'll be able to, to find us with that description. We are steadily growing and we've got a lot of great active conversation going on there, um, which is where these comments have come from. So if you want to to leave a, a comment on a video or a, if you want us to discuss one of your comments on a, an episode, join us over there and we'll probably read it. So until next time. Thank you.